Kamusta? This is your host Alicia, aka your favorite Asian. I hope everyone had a safe and happy new year. Welcome to 2021 and another episode. This episode will consist of the topic of saying names correctly and the murder of Jujang Peel, also known as the Itaewon Burger King murder case. So let's get right into it. It is an everyday occurrence that someone mispronounces a person's name due to their name might be either unfamiliar to the person's cultural knowledge or the lack of respect to research or ask. Now, from personal experience, this happens to me all the time because although Alicia is not an Asian name, I do not go by Alicia. And I constantly have to say my name is like Alicia Keys. And if people do not know who that is, they say they will not remember it, which it, honestly, it's not that hard to remember, I feel like. I remember working at a place that my boss never asked how to pronounce my name correctly no matter how many times I corrected them and the respect for this person was not as high as it could have been if they listened. It literally led me to tell people to call me either way which was unfortunately me succumbing to societal pressures until I got to university when someone said no your name is special to you tell me how to say it correctly. One time I literally had a co-worker introduce me to someone as Alicia and when I said no my name is Alicia they literally went no 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 it's Alicia like I I did not even know my own name. If a name as simple as Alicia is being mispronounced, I cannot imagine what other Asians or Asian Americans who have culturally significant names have to deal with. For the convenience of others, we are letting others give nicknames or letting others choose our identity. A name is something that belongs to your identity and when someone mispronounces or disregards a name they are not familiar with, this can lead to negative impacts. Being ignorant is a choice because being bad at names can only go so far. Rather than say that, why not ask people how to pronounce their name? Would you rather know so you can leave a positive impact on someone's identity or keep up with their superior ego? I know some people may be shy in this aspect, but clarification is always better than mispronunciation. A recent event that happened to Representative Pramila Jayapal was when she interrupted Representative Debbie Lesko to correct how Lesko pronounced her name during a Judiciary Committee hearing back in July 2020. Jayapal is the first Asian American representative for Washington State and the first Indian American woman to serve in the house. Given their professional relationship, proper pronunciation is expected, if not required. And many people of color said that they found this moment all too familiar. She said, if you're going to say my name, please say it right. It's Jayapal. In this situation, Lesko actually acknowledges her, repeating Jayapal before proceeding with her question. Something as simple as that inspires people to stand up for the respect they deserve. For me, another annoyance is when you misspell names in emails. Like, come on, people. Most of the time, their name is in the email. So if it is not, double check at least. No one wants to feel like you do not carefully consider them when addressing them in the email. It's like pronouns. You do not want to be called he when you are actually they or she, do you? Respect is important, especially within the Asian community. So I hope this little tidbit gave you some insights on how you can say names correctly. Now let's discuss the Itaewon Burger King murder case. Although this murder was not in the United States, but rather South Korea, it was an unsolved mystery for two decades, with the main suspects being a Korean-American man, Edward Lee, and his friend, Arthur Patterson, who were both 17 at the time. So let's start from the beginning of that night. On April 3rd, 1997, Edward Lee was the son from a wealthy Korean family living most of his life in the United States, while Arthur Patterson was living in South Korea because his father was a civilian contractor to the U.S. military. The Nightlife's district of Itaewon is close to the U.S. military, 
military base where Arthur and Edward decided to go out with friends. At the building they ended up going to, there was a Burger King on the first floor. The group decided to eat at this Burger King where Patterson started using a 9.5 centimeter knife to cut his burger, which to me is like really proper to use forks and knives for a burger and I guess was weird to his friends as well, so it ended up being the main topic of discussion during this dinner. There was suspicion that when Patterson was in California though, that he had previous legal arrest as a juvenile and served 16 months in juvenile hall, so this type of behavior playing with knives was typical for him. After the rest of the group finished eating and went back to the fourth floor of the building, Patterson and Lee went to the bathroom where they came in contact with Ju Jung Pil, a Korean university student who was there with his girlfriend. During this time in the bathroom, Joe was stabbed nine times using the knife previously used to cut Patterson's burger. Joe died on the way to the hospital at only 22 years old. The next day on April 4th, the Department of the Army Criminal Investigation Division received an anonymous report and arrested Patterson. On April 6th, Lee's father saw him on TV and started to probe him. Even though Lee denied the crime, he met with a lawyer and confessed on April 8th. Local reports stated that Patterson burned his clothes after leaving the bathroom because he was covered from head to toe in blood. Lee, on the other hand, washed his clothes when he got home since he only had blood sprayed over him compared to Patterson. Both men admitted to witnessing the murder but accused each other of killing Joe. Patterson was able to avoid punishment for so long because prosecutors failed to identify the right suspect in their initial investigation. It was a difficult case for prosecutors because neither Patterson nor Lee had any reason to kill Cho since he never met them before that night. Lee reported that he consistently asked for an interpreter, but they did not provide him one, so he was coerced and threatened during the 17-hour investigation. Therefore, the lack of sleep and inability to translate led to the guilty verdict. Lee was initially found guilty of murder and sentenced to life after a trial in 1988, but since he was underage, he was rather sentenced to 20 years while Patterson was tried as an accomplice and served a short jail term of 18 months. Patterson was convicted of possessing an illegal weapon and destroying evidence, which ended up being pardoned. By 1998, South Korea's Supreme Court exonerated Lee because of the lack of evidence. When the focus was put back on Patterson after Lee's exoneration, he was already back in the United States. Not until the 2009 movie of the case of the Edouan homicide, which depicted the case, would catch the media's attention for the unsolved murder. In 2011, Patterson was found living in Sunnyvale, California, and was indicted for the murder. In October 2012, South Korean police showed evidence through DNA testing indicating traces of Cho's DNA on the murder weapon, which Lee's did not. This led to Patterson being extradited back to South Korea for the long-awaited verdict. I honestly cannot believe it took South Korea's Supreme Court a movie and DNA test they could have utilized at the time of the 1998 trial to extradite Patterson. If it clearly wasn't Lee, then why did they not convict Patterson immediately since they were the only two people in the restroom with the victim? The negligence on this case was evident when Patterson was released from prison back in 1999 and the Ministry of Justice of Republic of Korea did not extend the foreign travel ban for Patterson, leading him to escape it to the United States and not be found until more than a decade later. In 2016, the Supreme Court gave a 20-year prison sentence to Patterson. It was supposed to be a life sentence, but a 20-year prison sentence is the maximum term for suspects aged 18 or younger, just like how Lee's verdict was back in 1998 since Patterson was also 17 years old at the time of the murder. During the trial, Edward Lee was the main witness against Patterson saying when the murder took place, they went to the bathroom to wash their hands when he saw Patterson suddenly start to stab Cho. While Cho was trying to hit the accused with his right hand, Patterson stabbed him and kept stabbing him. Lee admitted that there was only three people, including Patterson, 
Patterson, Cho, and himself at the crime scene, and that Patterson was the one that murdered Cho. During the prosecution, prosecutors stated that Patterson stabbed Cho's neck and torso nine times just so that he could show off to leave. Acknowledging the prosecution's responsibility and letting Patterson leave the country at the time, which delayed his trial for 20 years, a sole court ordered the government to pay $360 million to the family. Cho's father says his son can rest now and does not appear in his dreams anymore, while Cho's mother said that she hopes her son will be wealthy in his next life and do whatever he likes to do while still helping others. This is the Itawan Burger King murder, and with that, we owner Joe Jung Peel. Follow me on Instagram at your favorite Asian podcast and hit that follow button on Spotify if you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any cases that you would like me to cover, please email me at your favorite Asian podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to show kindness and advocate for equality. Pa'alam, and I'll talk to you again next Sunday.